This is a conversation with artist Shaq Koyok on Orang Asli, the indigenous people of Malaysia. We discuss how Orang Asli indigenous history, art, and culture is erased from modern Malaysia state institutions, how Shaq and other indigenous activists are trying to educate tourists, their own indigenous groups, and the wider Malaysian public on indigenous issues, and how he sees potential for building global solidarity between indigenous groups. It's a great discussion on the complex history and makeup of Malaysia. For more conversations like this, you can go to our back catalog on the Arts of Travel podcast. And for print interviews, you can go to our website, asiaarttours.com. Here's my conversation now with artist Shaq Koyuk on the Orang Asli Indigenous Peoples of Malaysia. Thank you for listening. I'm an indigenous artist and activist from Malaysia. If you wanted to introduce, let's say, a few terms or words or sayings, what would be one or two or a few that you think help explain where Malaysia's indigenous people are today um, for their struggle, their philosophy, and their freedom dreams? What would be a few words that you would introduce to help people get a better understanding of indigenous issues today in Malaysia? Indigenous uh, Malaysia is quite complex because we got two uh, uh, part of the Malaysia. One part is uh, Borneo indigenous people and also another part is Peninsula indigenous people. So Peninsula indigenous people, we call it Orang Asli, literally means original people. And uh, Orang Asal, it's a general term that you've been used in, in Borneo. So usually Orasal means indigenous people and Orasli is original people. Especially to Orasli, we're still in in, in the marginalized uh, generation of uh, of Malaysia. It's not become it's, it's not really like a never almost like never been discussed, even the indigenous uh, History never been taught in the school, and we never been uh, represented properly in the uh, history book of a, in, in the school system. That uh, actually created so much uh, misinformation and uh, racism, and uh, you know that's why we dealing with so much uh, land right issue. So for Orang Asli, specifically um, indigenous people in Malaysia, I don't mean, uh, I'll just say indigenous people generally in Malaysia, how were they specifically subjected to colonialism under British rule? Actually, we, I always said that 50-50, I think 50-50, 50 is bad and another 50 is good. So pretty much uh, the, the only document that been uh, recorded about it, or actually in, in the peninsula was from the British 
anthropologist and researcher. And those documents are pretty important in, in, in our case in, in terms of uh, land rights cases that we try to bring to the court. So we often rely on that kind of piece of document documented because after then, it's never been effort by any uh, by Malaysian uh, government or so. There's so much rely on the, um, the, the first, you know, document being recorded by the uh, British colonization. The good part of the colonization, but the, the bad part of colonization is happened in, in Borneo when uh, there's so many uh, historical artifacts and also the belief system being changed. They've been forced to uh, convert it to Christianity. So in Christianity also, they don't allow the... Um, the indigenous people in, in Borneo to uh, practice their own pagan or animism culture and also religion. So they are basically asked them to ditch all the associate or everything that associate to their past. So even some cases where the, the, the priests of the of the church ask the community to burn their, their artifact or, or any 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 sculpture or, or, or totem or anything that is associated with the uh, you know the uh, animism and ask them to 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 destroy it for example that's a bad uh, colonization in, in Borneo but the the document produced by the British was uh, very valuable now now and we managed to win so many cases because those pieces of document is actually help us in in in, in and determine that we are we we have uh, uh, the piece of land owned by the indigenous people because in Malaysia is quite complex state the state government they will uh, they have a complete control of the state matter so federal have no uh, control to other state it's only if we talk if only in touch with the federal constitution then we 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 will 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 uh, federal have control, but the rest of a uh, uh, like a state matter, for example, uh, the land issue, the, uh, according to state, they have different rule according to state. So that's why they often try to uh, deny the indigenous right on, on on our common law. But of course, in common law, in federal common law, said Malaysia was. Already, they already stated the indigenous people in, 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 in common law. But the the good thing about this uh, document, you know, the the, the gazette, Malaysian gazette, gazette uh, uh, during the British colonization was is stated very clear. Even the big map said this is this belong to this uh, indigenous people who live here. They have fully control of the land, and that is very important. So how have indigenous people been left out of um, the decision-making process of government in Malaysia after the British left? Oh, I think it's <laughs> so hard even now because uh, we, the first time we have won one, uh, uh, one indigenous people in the parliament. And uh, first time was in, yeah, that was like two, uh, two years ago, 2019. That's the first time the Oransley uh, won in in the election that uh, he's is in is in the member of parliament. 
So, you know, the, the, it's, it's, it's a good way to, 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 to explain it. Uh, you, 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 you get it right. There's so many indigenous, uh, especially Orasli issue, or Orasli never been mentioned. It's always left out in any kind of conversation. The worst part is most of they even um, use the term of, of Orasli or indigenous people are, are dirty, uh, uh, ugly uh, uh you know so, so many uh that's because we never been um uh, never been part of the almost like a malaysian society you know they, they always like put us aside you know in any in any conversation we always come in, in last and that's that's pretty much uh what happening then and now and then it's quite difficult, quite difficult for, for us at the moment. And, and there's so many land rights issues. Well, same thing, we always become a victim of, of, of any land rights issue, dealing with the people from a uh, different set of backgrounds suddenly came to our village and said, uh, you need to move up because this belongs to government. <laughs> and they, they basically say that literally to, to your place, uh, where we often have to go to the court just you know, to prove that our existence. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous because, you know, it's, you know, if they look at the common law, we, we are here first, you know. Malaysia is very uh, frustrating for me. When we talk about uh, Orasli or indigenous people, they always, some of, some of the uh, uh, people I meet here, they never heard of uh, Orasli name before. That's even worse. Let's make it really difficult for me to, <laughs> to have that conversation with them if you don't know anything. So I have to start with the beginning and then to explain to them. And, and I'm not talking about the land right yet. And it's still talking about the, the existing of the, my people to, to this country. So that's a, make it so difficult, you know, because so many people here quite afraid to, to say anything because the afraid authority will come, go to them if we cannot protest on the street freely. Uh, the police will call to you, you know, and <laughs> it's it's become an authoritarian state. So I, I, this I, I think is quite quite scary. Uh, so within Malaysia's education system, how do they deal with indigenous issues? And for indigenous people who want to learn more. How is the education system set up? Yes, uh, Malaysian doesn't have any uh, core curriculum specifically for, for indigenous or even like I said earlier, that our existence never been properly discussed or properly presented in the Malaysian history book event. So that's pretty much what in, what's uh, in, in, in the Malaysian uh, education system. But uh, like you said earlier, the, the majority of the indigenous people, they have their own material. For example, in Sarawak, the Iban, we have a curriculum on Iban language and Iban history. We can, because it's Iban is the biggest uh, language being spoken in, in Malaysia. So uh, they, got, they, they are biggest uh, ethnic tribe in, in, in Sarawak. So they have a uh, Bahasa Iban and also an education in, in Borneo also, they produce their own material for their students as well. So this is based 
on uh, on the different state, the different uh, system. They, 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 they are basically independently, they, they produce themselves by the teacher from the community. But in Peninsula, it's totally different. We got none of it uh, at the moment, but we do have starting now. We still we still haven't uh, producing yet. We're still working on the uh, semi, uh, semi indigenous people, uh, uh, what's called material in, in education. So, so we, they're still working on a textbook on SMI people a bit, but I said we, we still have no any uh, material about the indigenous people or, or Asli in, in Peninsula. So far, <laughs> there's still a lot of uh, students in, in the school. They're still uh, learning about other things, but not about their, their own country and about their own people. So, but there's so many teachers, they, 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 they are quite uh, creative and producing their own material. So, so they often do, do their own program on learning about indigenous people by going to, um, to the elders, to the center, indigenous center, and also they often go to me as well, you know, to, to learn about, about the indigenous people. And then, but uh, in, in university, they do have, they do have the material of, about the courses of indigenous people, of course, you know, but talking about research in anthropology departments, so on, and they, they, they have the what's it called, uh, curriculum on that, but not not in the in the secondary school or primary school. We often <laughs> learning because in school we learn Bahasa Melayu or Bahasa Malaysia, um, and also English language. So we often uh, learn two. <laughs> Two languages in the school, but means the English people have to learn the Malay and also in the same time have to learn English. So, <laughs> but they never talk, they never learn about their own culture. Nothing, not not even uh, history. Could you talk a bit about your art and and what you're trying to do in it in relation to your identity? And then how do you do you see art as a as a educational tool? For indigenous um, Malaysians to learn more about their culture, their history, and what it means to be indigenous, I've been uh, wanting to be artist since I was kid. So, and that's actually come naturally. But you know, when 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 I'm putting my identity in my works, it can just come naturally. So I think I'm thinking that's that's important, and also. That's what I think uh, my art is about as well. So, so I'm using that uh, a lot in my work and I think uh, that give me a lot of opportunity to, to have a conversation with a lot of people. Even now, you know, talking with to you about my work and also almost like I, I, I managed to open the door and also open the window to people to get to know about indigenous people through my work. That's that's I didn't. That's what I really hoping for. And but actually, I didn't really plan it. I was uh, always uh, 
use the image of indigenous people because I feel like I need to represent something for my community that never often have any space for us to represent ourselves with our own voice. We often there's so many events, so many, you know, so many, so many programs that's been out there only produced or programmed by the people for, from not from the community. So often the content or whatever program out there is always come from the from the people's uh, non-indigenous non, non people that come and then they are they always misrepresent our people in, in, in their program. So still uh, you, you don't see much of an indigenous image in the city. That's uh that's another reason I think is uh I use a lot of indigenous image in my work and also I put a, a lot of uh, land right issue, human right issue in my work as well. So I want the people to have a conversation and talk about it and also try to find uh, common ground they can uh, for, for us and as a, to provide a safe space for us, for indigenous people to, to have a say and have a voice. How have you seen tourism do a good job representing or introducing people to indigenous culture? And where have you seen tourism do a bad job? There's so many interests from the tourists and, and the indigenous people, but the bad job is <laughs> the, the, the indigenous people sometimes become uh, just a just subject, just an object. You see what I mean? Uh, they, they often don't mm -hmm. get any benefit. They're almost like living their daily life, like daily life, they, they don't get more any they don't get any benefit from that. This only benefit is go straight to the travel agency, travel agent. That's, that doesn't help the, the indigenous people at all. And also another bad thing about the, the tourism in Malaysia that often they are most, uh, uh, this tourist agent often go invading to, to the space where indigenous people Consider sacred. So there's so many things happening that when 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 that when the one uh, tourist uh, tourism program happening in the in the one community, and they often leave a garbage. There's another thing, and also doesn't respect the local custom, and uh, they don't respect the local uh, no, indigenous rule in a certain area, and also just uh, overstep the, the 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 boundary that we put. In any ceremony that we, we do, and often the, the tourists just overstep it, and because they just want to take picture all the time, as indigenous people to pose, and without giving them any money or any anything, they're just posting for one, two, three hours, and for nothing. That's another thing, and these people you just use the the picture to sell it to everywhere, and it's often. Uh, this happened a long, long time ago. This one photographer asked them to uh, to, to post nude, right? They, they, they got this idea that our our or initiative used to be nude. So why don't you post nude? That's a very this is what happened long long time ago. And but now still people are asking, but not nude. But now they're asking people, the indigenous people, to, to post for them for for a long time, and suddenly they didn't got anything back. The, the community that 
often accepting the the tourist tour they don't get anything they, they are almost giving up the day just to attend these tourists and then for nothing basically and and that should be you know should be changed should, should, should respect the indigenous people live there uh, because the indigenous people here is we still uh, most of us still under poverty you know living day by day you know but the, the good part is uh, representation you know tourists will, will take the picture or post on social media and people get to know honestly that's that's a good part and uh, yeah in terms of representation, yes, it's, it's at least some some image of indigenous people will be there in, in the media or, or on the India and the post, public post, and so on. Could you talk about the health of the forest in Malaysia? And is there an example of an animal or a plant that has a very deeper connection, or like an animist connection, or a spiritual connection to indigenous communities in in Malaysia? Malaysia is uh, the the pastors, the pastors. What is it called? There's so many, yeah. There's, there's so many uh, deforestation happening now, and then and uh, then other countries in Malaysia, and uh, you know that's that affect a lot of uh, indigenous uh, traditional territory as well. I would say the 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 the, 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 the disruptions often will end up. Uh, where the Indian people used to go and used to roam. For us, the, the, the rainforest is, uh, is where our ancestors go to, our ancestors' spirit go to. So that's, that's how, how deep our connection to the forest, because we believe the tree, the mountain, the river, and uh, the rocks, the cave have their own spirit. So we, we, we often uh, respect them and protect them as well. So that's why we often, uh, you know, being one of the forefront in protecting the, the, the rainforest from being, you know, chopped down by the loggers or, or any, any big company, you know, to, to build whatever want to build. This is, this is not just for our, our, our belief, but we 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 thinking about the what 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 about our future? You know, this we want to we want to teach our future and also set something for our future. That because the rainforest is also as a history of have the history on its own, and also our indigenous story often relate to the to the rainforest. There's so many stories, so many folklores often uh, you know relate to the, the the forest nearby to our community as well and in our belief uh, we, we believe in animism where animism we believe any uh, living thing have a spirit for example a tree that lives still living now is they have their own soul when the tree chopped down I mean the soul is gone the same thing with mountain, with the river, and everything. So they have soul, they have spirit. So, so if you don't respect that or destroy that, when the spirit is gone, uh, and then the, the nature will, will take back in, in the form of the natural disaster, for example. And that's basically uh, what 
our animism belief is. And that's why we uh, have a traditional uh, like a ritual dance or ritual ceremony to to uh, to, to honor the, our nature spirit and also to honor our uh, rainforest spirit to give respect to our ancestor that that uh, that that do so much for us now. Have there been indigenous movements in Malaysia um, making demands of the government, either the colonial government or the sort of the political system Malaysia has now. And did you and other indigenous um, Malaysians find a lot of solidarity or inspiration in these other indigenous protests? Yes, yes. Uh, you know, I've been, I've been, uh, recently I, I did, I did the big uh, research uh, uh, trip to Australia and New Zealand, and I got to know the, the indigenous people and also the indigenous movement there. And I, I learned from from them a lot. Even now, I'm joining one of the one of the quite radical uh, movement in 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 South Pacific indigenous community, and then the the, the and they call themselves a uh, savage club. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I kind of interested on 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 the radical decolonization kind of movement. Anyway, in in Malaysia, we do have one or two uh, movement that uh, focusing in on art and culture. One of them is in, in in Borneo, and uh, I've been part of that group as well. Now there's so many uh, coalition of the indigenous uh, activist group in 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 peninsula, the Orasli NGO. It's called uh, JOAS or Jaringan Orang Asal Malaysia. It means uh, the coalition of the indigenous people of Malaysia. But there's no movement yet on the indigenous art. But I'm 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 trying to to you know to form that at the moment. Still, see the Orasli is still dealing with the poverty and it's. Art is the last thing they will think of. You know, I do best I can to do a lot of uh, workshop. Actually, Be before this pandemic, I've been to many community in in the in the, in the very rural area of Malaysia, and uh, I use art workshop as a as a space for them to to express themselves and also to speak freely without afraid they will upset anybody. You know, because I. I've seen this a lot in, in, in many programs that run by non-indigenous non people and a lot of indigenous people doesn't feel like they run the, the space, they run the, the program. You know? They often like they often feel like they're afraid to say something. They always say nice things. That's why I think I need to do more of my, my workshop. Because it's pandemic, it's, uh, I cannot do anything. Last year even I managed to do two places, you know, it's not good enough. And to start the movement is kind of kind of uh, hard because a lot of these uh, um, people come from these villages also. They find it hard for him for them to, to find any phone coverage itself. You know, even my village near Slangor, Slangor is you know it's very modern state. My village still we don't we still doesn't have any phone coverage. So it's, it's hard to, to 
to have a better uh, communication with them. And also, it's hard for me to call my parents. Stop, you know, it's, it's so frustrating. <laughs> we don't, with the, with the, even some places in the peninsula, it's even bad. They don't have any proper public utility, no public, uh, you know, it's no road for them, not even proper, uh, you know, water, not even electricity, nothing. They live in the dark, basically. But that's, that's a, uh, Thing that's make it difficult for me just to suddenly introduce other moment. And that's, you know, I have to, and of course, they need to prioritize what comes first. And then often art becomes the last thing. And then, but I I try best I can, you know, in, in, in my work for them and to, to introduce because in Malaysia, art still is, is not really given priorities in, in the school. In the school itself, art become the, the the last thing they will think, and they will just say, "Are they just uh, fill fill the gap, the any gap they have in the in the <laughs> in a week?" They usually teach art once a week, I and mean, that's even worse. And they even put art class in 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 secondary school as a as a like a as a punishment if you don't if you, if you fail in the science or math, did you put you in the art class? <laughs> it's like punishment, isn't it? They got something you're not good at. You always they, they put you in an art class. That's make it, you know. So make it really hard for me. Just you know, to introduce you know art as a as a tool to to represent something or to to talk something. And but you know, this is what I've, I've been trying to do. It's just it's just quite quite rough journey quite long long journey for me what do you think malaysians who are not indigenous could learn from indigenous malaysians and then what do you think globally people could learn from um, indigenous ways of life that you think would make the world um, not as crazy as it is right now that's a good question because i think that the thing that you can learn from these people is we basically rely on the nature. Without nature, we, we get nothing. That's that's pretty much what we believe. And that's why we have full respect on the nature, on the environment, on the tree, on the mountain, on the river, and the air that we breathe in. And we need to acknowledge that that actually comes from nature. If you if you take more than you need, you are not, you left nothing left for your future, right? And that's basically uh, for anybody understand, you know, that's basically the the real meaning of uh, I think sustainable. So that's pretty much what the indigenous people believe. I think people will uh, learn something from indigenous people from that because if you go to indigenous community, we are very resourceful to in anything around us. We have, we, we don't offer buy thing that we need much in this in the shop. We just, we, just, we usually just produce it ourselves. Quite resourceful, you know, especially and uh, even our building material. We just get it from the nature, from the jungle. But at the same time, we we. I have a deep respect of the nature. We don't take more than we need. The 
they take what you need and leave something else for the for the for the future. And then that that's another thing that we we uh, often uh, you know don't uh, disturb certain area of the of the nature and you know, because it belong to the to the nature and belong to the uh, spirit of the nature and we often have a certain uh, like a sacred place for us to to pray on and to worship on and that's something that people people need to learn because we can't just keep you know keep building this keep destroying this keep, you know just for the sake of money you know money well you can find any money anywhere but you know you cannot just uh destroy the nature for the for the sacred money because if you destroy if it's gone it will be gone forever you know and this this idea about uh, consumer consumerism is quite <laughs> damaging to our our indigenous belief also you know of course there's so many uh, now young generation indigenous people have a smartphone they often buy stuff on the online that's 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 what's happening now but you know but oh, i believe in, in 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 our culture that we we respect respecting the nature that's a very valuable thing that we need and we still have a connection to the to the nature and i would like to say that so many uh, people now have disconnected to to anything around them already. They they, they often uh, excluded themselves or, or you know put themselves in a in a place that they they not they not really even connected to anything. So that's this is not what the Arasi uh, believe believe in. We live in a big change of 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 life that we actually connected to the river we actually connected to the air we breathe in we connected to the mountain we we see in here and also we connected to the our neighbor we connected to anybody living around us even the animal too and we believe we, we break up those connections uh, well, that's what we are now i think so we, we are fully connected you know that that's why we we afraid to destroy the nature that because um, if, it, if, that, if that connection back then we we, we, did, we will live in with nothing left mm-hmm.